This is Soccer News IV. Soccer News IV, it's in your veins. Brought to you by SoccerRom.com. From Bumblebee to high school to college to the pros, before the best coaches go to practice, they go to SoccerRom.com. Hello and welcome. I'm Stephen Parr, the host of Soccer News IV. Here's our top story. U.S.'s hopes are still alive in Germany. The Americans tied Italy 1-1 thanks to an Italian-owned goal. The tie means the U.S. can advance if the U.S. beats Ghana and if the Italians beat the Czechs coming up on Thursday. Even if the Czechs tie or win, the U.S. can advance if they are able to beat Ghana by enough points. Both games will happen at the same time on Thursday, and just to make things interesting, both Ghana and the Czech Republic can advance with wins, so everyone has something to play for. The U.S. was able to tie Italy despite some very questionable officiating. Actually, it wasn't questionable. It was reprehensible. It's the worst called game I've seen at a World Cup ever. Referee Jorge Lariadona passed out four yellow cards and three red cards. The first red card well, it was valid. It was against Italy's Danielle De Rossi for elbowing Brian McBride in the face and making him bleed, in Alexi Lalas's words, like a stuck pig. Now, McBride needed stitches at halftime, but he was able to stay in the game. Then, just before the half, the ref ejected Pablo Mastorini for a slide tackle. Okay, it was a foul because Mastorini slid in studs up, but it was not a reckless foul. You will never convince me. It deserved a straight red. Yellow? Maybe. Red? No way. So the U.S. and Italy were both down to 10 men by halftime. Then just two minutes into the second half, Larry Donna gave Eddie Pope his second yellow of the game, meaning the Americans would play almost the entire second half down to nine men. Pope's ejection tied a World Cup record. This is only the fourth time in the Cup's history. Three red cards have been given in a single game. Now, Pope's ejection was just as bad as Master Winnie because Pope's first yellow in the first half shouldn't have been a card at all, and the tackle he was sent off for in the second half wasn't a bookable offense either. This is not the first time decisions made by referee Jorge Lariadana have been criticized. The Uruguayan was suspended by his home federation back in 2002 for, quote, irregularities that were denounced by other referees, close quote. He and four other officials were not allowed to ref for six months. It, it took him out of the 2002 World Cup. But controversy just keeps following this guy. During a World Cup qualifier last year between Brazil and Colombia, Larry Adana disallowed a goal each for questionable calls. Replays showed both the goal for Colombia and the goal later on for Brazil should have been allowed. Can somebody please tell me why in the world this guy's allowed back in the World Cup after he was suspended? Why is someone who's been disciplined for irregularities ever allowed to do international matches of any kind? This makes no sense. Furthermore, why was he allowed to do a game featuring, of all countries, Italy? The Italian Soccer Federation is under investigation for bribing referees. It's been the biggest story in Europe of the year. And the Italian keeper 
and the son of the Italian coach are some of the central players in the investigation. Now, while the U.S.-Italy game was by far the worst ref game of the Cup, it's not the only officiating controversy. In Germany right now, yellow cards are being passed out like loggers in October, and it has some of the biggest names in the sport crying foul. German great and World Cup organizer Franz Beckenbauer has said there are too many cards being given out this Cup. He's quoted as saying the referees are supposed to help football. Right now, they're killing it. U.S. head coach Bruce Arena stopped short of criticizing the U.S.-Italy game directly, but he did say the cards in the cup have been excessive. He believes it's taking good players out of games for no reason. So, are there too many cards in 06? Well, let's look at what FIFA's trying to do with the crackdown. They want to eliminate the dangerous fouls and increase scoring and scoring opportunities. If you go back to the 1990 World Cup in Italy, there was a dearth of goals. At this point in the tournament, there were just 2.21 goals per game and refs passed out 2.63 cards per game. FIFA decided that it was too few goals and one of the reasons was there were too few cards. At least that was the thinking. So enforcement went up for the 94 World Cup. They said, we're gonna crack down. And after the first two group games from 94 through 2002, in each of these tournaments, there were between 3.72 and 4.21 cards per game. And goals averaged right at 2.5 per game. So yes, more cards did indeed help bring more goals. But that's not what's going on this year. Instead of around four cards per game, we're now up to more than five cards per game. And scoring is actually down, not up. We've seen 2.34 goals per game so far. That's closer to the 1990 numbers than it is to the 94 through 02 numbers. No matter what the refs are doing, the most important thing is what the teams are doing. So let's go group by group after two games. In Group A, Germany and Ecuador have both clinched a trip to the round of 16 with one game to play. Poland and Costa Rica made themselves irrelevant. England is in the driver's seat in Group B, while Sweden also looks secure. Group C belongs to Argentina and the Netherlands. Both have six points. Both have already qualified for the next round, but Argentina is averaging four goals per game. Portugal owns Group D so far. Mexico has four points, but Angola still has an outside chance to advance if they beat Iran and Portugal beats Mexico. Group E is all mixed up after, after Ghana beat the Czechs 2-0. And as I said off the top, each team has a chance to advance, and every team has a chance to go home as well. Group of death, anyone? Brazil hasn't played great yet, but they have done enough to secure a second-round seat. Australia has played well, but they will still need at least a tie against Croatia if they want to keep going. Japan has one point, but they will have to beat Brazil to advance, so that's not likely. Switzerland and Korea are at the top of Group G. Togo has been eliminated, but France still has a chance, even though they're going to play without their star midfielder, Zinedine Zidane. France has qualified after coming from behind against Tunisia. Ukraine bounced back from the opening 4-0 loss to Spain by beating the Saudis 4-0, a tie against Korea, will most likely see them into round two. So let's head to the MLS. (music) 
may not have noticed, but MLS keeps on playing, even though the World Cup is dominating all of the soccer attention. So in case you missed it, which you most likely did, D.C. tied New England 1-1 in Foxborough. Red Bull finally found a way to win. Their plan was, well, let's play the worst team in MLS. And it worked. New York beat the Galaxy 2-1 in the Meadowlands. Kansas City beat the Chicago Fire 3-2 in Kansas City. Houston also won at home. They beat Real Salt Lake 2-1. Home was kind to Chivas as well. They beat the crew 2-0. So D.C. stays on top of the East standings with 26 points, but Kansas City's recent wins have pulled them closer with 20 points. Chicago falls to last place, having played a total of one home game and 10 road games. In the West, Dallas is still in first with 24 points, even though they had the weekend off. Houston is now only one game behind, and the Galaxy has only eight points on the season and are now firmly in last place. Chivas Azante Razov hit his 10th goal of the season. He has two goals or two, ga- two goals ahead of Dallas's Carlos Ruiz and D.C.'s Jaime Moreno in the hunt for the golden boot. The schedule... There are a whole bunch of games in the MLS this week. Starting on Wednesday, the Revolution heads to Columbus. The game's on direct kick at 7.30. Chicago travels to D.C. for their 11th road game, also at 7.30. Then at 9.30, Colorado hosts Chivas USA on direct kick. On Saturday, Chivas will play the crew at 7.30. That game is also on direct kick. And at the same time, on direct kick, D.C. hosts the Wizards. Dallas will host the Rapids at 8.30. That's on HDNet. Then at 9, Real faces the Revolution in Salt Lake. That game is on direct kick. At 10.30, Houston heads to L.A. to beat, I'm sorry, I mean uh, meet the Galaxy. You can watch it on direct kick. On Sunday, the Red Bull goes to Bridgeview, the Fire's new home. Toyota Park will be seen on direct kick. Starting at 7 Eastern, it will be... Toyota Park's television debut. That's it for this week. I need to give a big shout out to the folks at Soccerom.com for all of their support. For Soccer News IV, I'm Stephen Parr. Remember, Soccer News IV, it's in your veins.